Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Well, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today on a, another special segment of Spiritual Insights. I'm Charlotte Spicer, and if you're new to the show, what we mainly focus on is bringing peace to our lives. My guest today is Gina DeLapa, who has a wonderful new book entitled, Stuff You Already Know and Everybody Should. And in the introduction, you heard it said that if you want to change your life, you must first change your mind. And I think Gina brings an exquisite way to do that that is very simple and very easy to do just by creating a foundation for the way you respond to situations in your life. For instance, how many times have we all said or done something and then silently reprimanded ourselves, sheepishly recognizing, I knew better than that, or I could have handled that differently? We don't always have the perfect immediate response in our arsenal, but by cultivating a groundwork of responses to life's tricky situations, I think we're more apt to get by without so much self-deprecation. So Gina DeLapa delivers an inspirational refresher course in the manners and mannerisms that fill more than a few potholes in the otherwise rough road of life. In her book, Stuff You Already Know and Everybody Should, she shares 437 nuggets of down-to-earth wisdom, 28 links to free online gems to help you get even more from the book, and countless stories that will touch your heart. Whether they serve as gentle reminders or valuable new knowledge, everyone has something to gain from this delightful book. And Gina's going to tell us all about it. Welcome to the show, Gina. It's so nice to have you with us. Oh, Charlotte, it's such an honor to be here with you and our listeners. I I just know we were all meant to be together for this segment. And I'm delighted to talk talk to you and our listeners and share what I can about the book and, and be a blessing to others. And I know that's your uppermost goal as well. Absolutely. And... Um, I just want to remind everybody, we're going to be talking about some pretty interesting subjects with regard to the book, but if you'd like to call in and ask a question uh, or just talk to us about some of these topics, uh, feel free towards the second half of the show at area code 347-934-0751, as long as we're live. We will try to get to your call and entertain your question or comment. But I wanted to start with Gina. Could I give you my impression when I read the book and, and kind of my experience with it? Absolutely. Well, to be honest, I couldn't put it down. I absolutely (laughs) love the formatting, um, just to go technical, the formatting, the way it's set up, the fonts that are used, um, the way it's organized is very simple in that it's just easy to digest because big, thick books that consume a lot of the reader's time are generally a recipe for but not a whole lot of success. But this has all the ingredients, and I love how you numbered all 437. You just numbered them, and they're really quick, to the point, easy to digest, and easy for anybody, no matter what path they're on or what stage in life, as the description says, whether you're just on your way to high school or college or whether you're a parent or a grandparent climbing the ladder of your career, or a retiree. It doesn't matter. I can see the value in all of it. But I found that as I went through it, like the title says, stuff you already know. And at a deep level, I felt, you know what? I do know this stuff, but most of it resides in the back of my mind. Reading your book brought it to the forefront. And that's what I I have post-it notes all over it with (laughs) 
little headings on them like life and death, victimhood, self-sacrifice, ah. wheelchairs. This is just, you know, consoling others. These are all the the variety of topics that you covered is astounding. And, oh, thank you. And, and yet you don't belabor the point, which makes it perfect for everybody. Um, but I see it as a quick reference guide for anyone. Before you address a touchy situation, you could spare yourself or a loved one some embarrassment or regret. But I found that once I had digested it all, I, to be honest, I felt like, you know, I wish my parents had taught me a lot of this stuff. Some of mm. it I had to learn the hard way. Some I found from talking to smart people or from the wisdom of a, of a perfect stranger. But that's what I got out of it, that it's, it would be a great conversation starter, whether at the kitchen table, in a car. You know, but that's that's pretty much what I went through. It's just it brought everything to the forefront for me. So I, I bravo on a fabulous job here. Ah, well, thank you. I'm really touched by your feedback, and I want you to know I uh, I had a wonderful uh, graphic design team, and they they deserve all the credit for really bringing my vision to life for the cover, and they they really embraced the experience that I wanted every reader to have when they pick up. I wanted it to feel as though it was. Uh, a letter from the heart of a dear friend. And there's that mm. wonderful saying, what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And this this book really came from my heart, and, and that's the, the effect I want it to have on everybody who buys it either for themselves or, or if they receive it as a gift. And the, you mentioned the numbering thing. It's interesting. We purposely numbered them rather than just using bullet points or, or no uh, notation at all. So that if this were sitting in, let's say, your lunchroom at work or the the break room or in a doctor's office that or the family dinner table, somebody could just say, all right, name a number between 1 and 437, and they point to 1 and then, boom, okay, they turn to that number and it's a point of discussion for that group, yeah. that group of coworkers or those family members or people taking a road trip or Wherever they are, I want this to spark not only some good reflection but some good uh, dialogue. Uh, and, I, and I have confidence that that's already happening and that's very heartening to see. Well, I can attest that it is because throughout the whole time I was reading the book, I kept turning to my husband saying, listen to this. Ah, and and then we would get into a discussion about it and he would, we would compare our experiences and how did you handle it or... Are you proud of the way you handled it? What would you do differently? And if someone hasn't experienced that, how would you? How, you know, what, what angle do you think you would take with the person you're speaking with or the situation? So definitely thought-provoking, conversation starter, and a way to get to know each other better as to how they would respond to life's situations. Right, right. It's just kind of a way to get into one another's inner world without being so invasive that it's uncomfortable. I mean, I don't think the the book is prickly in any way i went out of my way to make it gentle and gracious and humorous and and wise and again something that you might receive from uh, the heart of a good friend mm, absolutely well we make a perfect gift for any occasion well tell you what, what let's go back to the beginning okay um, tell us how it all began you were you began by writing in a journal you wanted to share some nuggets of wisdom with yeah your nephew really, adam what happened well, okay, if anyone listening knows my parents, by the way, they do not have a grandchild named Adam. Adam is my non-biological nephew. I have six biological nieces and nephews. Adam is he's like the fifth beetle. He's like the, you know, the, he's no less my nephew for the fact that we're not blood-related. But it's funny because some of my parents' uh, friends have asked them, you never said you had a grandchild named Adam. So, But Adam's <laughs> mother and I went to middle school together. We both transferred to the same Catholic middle school at the same year and uh, we've been friends ever since and Adam now attends the high school uh, where Gail and I met and or where we went and um, as Adam was starting high school I wanted to record some words of wisdom for him and it's funny because all of you listening can identify with this we're always told think big and you know think global and all of that well there is that part about act locally because and everybody listening can identify with this there's there's a handful of people in our lives or maybe it's just one person who means more to us than you know all the 
the multitude, so to speak. And for me, I just it was on my heart to put down some words of wisdom for Adam. So I'm blessed to live near a bookstore. So I walked down one Sunday afternoon, and I bought a red leather journal. And I just started writing down some things that would be helpful to him as he went through those high school years and beyond. And, you know, Charlotte, before I knew it, it was just taking on a life of its own. Uh, I thought, this is, this is material that uh, all of us need to be reminded of, not just, uh, you know, young, not just young people. It really transcended ages and demographics because life continues to throw challenges at us, and we need to continually be reminded of how, how best to respond. So the more I surrendered this project the more uh, my excitement grew, and I, I absolutely know those two things were connected. Uh, resources flooded into my life, people, the, the designers, the people whose work you're praising on the cover and on the interior, uh, all of that would not have been possible had certain people not just shown up in my life, and I'm so thankful they did. I know this is this book is my little mark on eternity. It's my little mark on the world, and I want it to... I wanted to touch hearts and make people laugh and, and give them some comfort um, because the book has a lot of what I consider uh, consoling truths. And it, it is stuff that we already know, but uh, w- there's a lot of consolation in just hearing it again and being reminded. Uh, and as you know, some of the material is silly, some of it's deep, some of it's uh, in between, but, but that's life. And then all of us can relate to that. There's a time to, you know, as they say, a time to laugh and a time to cry. And mm. uh, but yeah, I think this book really uh, kind of transcends all of those. Um, it, it doesn't. It, there's no like one little niche that it's good for. It really, uh, again, transcends ages, states of life, education levels, everything. And I'm really honored by. Um, how well it's been received by the in the most unlikely places. That's been very fun. Yes. Well, you said something interesting. You know how life continues to throw challenges at us, and it and it does, and it will. And you know, for most of us, I think the majority of those experiences are so difficult because of the level of surprise. So I really thought there was additional value in that when we say, "Well, I've never experienced that," or I would never think to say that, but if something were to show up in right. your life, someone or something, then you kind of have this set in the back of your mind or in your subconscious mind that, oh, this is a time where I need to be politically correct, kind, or compassionate. And I, I, that's a, I think that's an added benefit. Oh, thank you. Right. I think, um, I think all of us benefit when somebody plants a seed, you know, just in our mind, in our heart, mm-hmm. that, again, maybe we don't need it. To, uh, to to bear fruit today, but there m- might come a time when we're when we're traveling or meeting somebody new or whatever the case may be, starting a new job. I mean, life is full of transitions as well, and and mm-hmm. I think at different junctures in our lives, uh, different things will come out of the book and and be meaningful. Absolutely, and I just want to mention that on your website, um, yes, stuffyoualreadyknow.com, you right. have so much to offer. You allow visitors to subscribe to a variety of things such as Monday morning pep talk? Correct. Yeah, I would love for people to go sign up and, and be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You also provide a nugget of the day, which yes. I'm sure would be one of those things where a lot of people receiving that, it'll be just what they need to hear on that day. Mm-hmm. You also have your blog posts, and you're a fabulous writer, so I'm sure those are enlightening as well. But you also invite people to share their stories. And Absolutely. We'll get into some more detail later on, but if you have, as you're listening to us, ladies and gentlemen, if something pops into your mind, some riveting life lesson that you want to share, <laughs> feel free to give us a call in the second half. Tell us what you learned. Maybe it's in the book. Maybe it's something... Uh, Gina would like to add to a future book because it is a series now, correct, Gina? Yes, it is a series, and I'll say more about that in a moment, but I just want to say that if you have something riveting or or 
kind of just uh, charming and ordinary. I, all of it is fair game. I would love to hear from you. Uh, I mean, we can't, not everything can be riveting. We just, we would burn out if you had 437 things that just shook your world to, to its core. But, but again, whether it's silly or deep, whatever the case may be, uh, mm-hmm. there's a place for, for all of it, and yes, I am very much working on a series. The title, as you can see, lends itself to that. So the next book in the series is Stuff You Already Know and Every College Student Should. It'll be focused specifically on that uh, on that phase of life because it's one I'm well familiar with from having been a college student and working in a university for many years and working with students traditionally of that age. Uh, in fact, I was on a writing retreat last week in Coronado pulling out that manuscript and doing more work on it. So, yeah, and there are mm. many more in the wings. Uh, and if you have a suggestion for a even a book topic, uh, I'd love to hear from you. As Charlotte, as you said, there are so many ways on StuffYouAlreadyKnow.com to interact with me, uh, and I invite you, uh, anyone listening, to take advantage of that. Um, Many people enjoy receiving Monday morning pep talk. It's just a free, uh, free service that just goes straight to your inbox. Just a quick, upbeat message, always from a different angle, and so that's gaining in popularity. And that's, that too is rewarding to see. And love to have you if you're listening. Uh, be part of that. You can comment on the blog and uh, join us. It's just free to sign up, and it takes two seconds. There you go. And so I, I want to, let's dig into the book, shall we? Please, yes. Where okay. would you like to start? I would like to start with your note to the reader. You talk about setting yourself up for success. You mentioned your dad. Your mom and your dad were obviously major influential <laughs> characters in your life. I'm happy for you that you had that. Um, yes. A lot of people don't. So this is a peek into the world that we can create for ourselves where we can self Nurture, so yes. I, I I love that. Well, right, and 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 I fully uh, recognize and respect that all of us had different levels of, of parenting. I did, you did, uh, mm-hmm. and and I make a point in the book of saying, cut your parents a little slack because they too had imperfect parents, as do we all. And I think when we recognize that, it becomes easier to. Uh, overlook or, or forgive the, the maybe the gaps that were there. And um, as you said, sure. we all have to kind of self-nurture and, and fill in the – and every generation has to do that. That's just part of the life deal, I think. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when I wrote the book and I looked back on what, what had been written, three, uh, three themes kind of emerged, and I, I, I love that it happened in that order rather than my imposing an order – uh, I just kind of let the book take on its own life. But the three themes that emerged were very simple. Number one, set yourself up for success. And we'll, we'll come back to each of these. The second, and I think this is very key, take the high road. And the third is glorify God with your life. And I'm very careful in the book to say, look, reader, I know we all come from different spiritual backgrounds. I want you to read this through the lens of your own spiritual, uh, you know, your own background and filter, you know, filter it through that lens and keep and pass along only what is useful. But I had to write, I, I, I had to write out of my own lens and trust the reader to translate, if you will. Um, and another way I think of saying glorify God with your life is um, live your life as an expression of gratitude. I mean, be thankful for your life and everything in it and let that affect how you um, how you go through your day, how you uh, kind of the stories you tell ourselves. But uh, Charlotte, would it be okay to just back up and say a little bit about each of these three? Absolutely. Okay, set yourself up for success, and I talk about this in my book. For all of you listening, you know, dads are often funniest and most profound when they're not trying to be uh, either one. And uh, when I was buying my first house, the only house I ever owned or wanted to own, uh, but it was in a different phase of my life. My father just said very offhandedly, I think as he was leaving the room, set yourself up for success. And he was meaning, you know, get something that you're going to be happy with and uh, happy with for the long term, et cetera. And, but that, 
that sentence just, you know, hit me between the eyes. Set yeah. yourself up for success. And how often, I mean, again, if you're listening, you know, apply that to your life on the smallest level and the largest level. Are we setting up ourselves up for success by what time we go to bed, by the foods we eat, the friends we surround ourselves with, the messages we speak to ourselves by uh, by everything, by the decision of who who we're going to spend our lives with. I mean, what we study, uh, everything, where we park. I mean, set yourself yes. up for success. Really, if you if you apply those simple words to any decision, it almost automatically clarifies for you what to do next or, or how to do better. And I give some examples of that at, uh, in the book. Like it's something as simple as park in a getaway position. Well, if you're coming out late at night from a movie or a party, you're going to be very glad that you parked in such a way that you can just pull away and be on your way home and be pointed in the right direction. And maybe there's a maybe that's a metaphor, <laughs> pointed in the right direction. But, um, so that was my father's contribution and as you said I have a lot of mom and dad stories in the book because uh my dad in particular is a very colorful uh individual and uh he so he gets a lot of press in the book my mother also does my mother was responsible for teaching us take the high road and I talk about this in the note to the reader I don't think she ever used those words but it was demonstrated from day one. I give the example of being four years old and about to turn five, and I didn't want to invite, uh, you know, little Patrick to my birthday party. And she asked me, very matter of fact, how do you think he would feel if you uh, if you didn't invite him? And I'm like, ha, ah, you know. And so, of course, Patrick came to the party. I think he helped close the place. So he stayed around. He was a good guest, and I was, of course, glad I invited him. And um, so even before I could speak the word empathy, my mother was there, and I'm uh, so thankful for this, weaving that habit of empathy into my heart. Mm. And, and I don't want anyone to think that I had perfect parents. I don't. But um, we love the people in our lives, including and especially our parents, uh, not because they're perfect, but because uh, just everything that they gave us, good and and not so good, but that was definitely a, an important life lesson that carried all through my my youth. And I tell about how she how I dented her car, and she didn't scream at me, but she very lovingly put her arm around me and taught me a word I'd never heard before, and that word was deductible. Yeah. <laughs> I spent the summer paying it off, and I, I tell a little bit about that and kind of what I learned from it. Yeah. Uh, but um, and the third one, glorify God with your life, really came out of. Um, Again, everyone listening can identify. I certainly don't mean to imply that I'm the only one who went through uh, tough times as a kid, but one thing that was unusual about my childhood is that I lost the first person in my world to pass away was uh, another child. Uh, she was 11 years old, was a you know little neighbor girl that I uh, was very fond of. We had a nice friendship, and uh, and she died in a very senseless accident, uh, and and that. Yeah, that was tough. And three years later, uh, somebody else close to our family, another young person, uh, took his life. And I didn't, won't go into the details on that, but it mm. it set me back on my heels. And and I somewhat down. I don't downplay these stories, but I don't make them the focus in the book uh, because that's really not the point. The point is simply they left an impression. And um, and you know, I, I tell in the book how that both of those events made life bleak for a while, and it got bleaker before it got brighter. But it did get brighter, and out of that just came uh, an appreciation for life and the fact that uh, by the grace of God we do bounce back, and uh, you know, new life does come again. That's what what Easter is about, uh, which of course many of us just celebrated yesterday, but. Uh, but that's true for, for all of us, regardless of our background. Life kicks up storms, but the sun does come out again, and thank goodness it does. Uh, but that, again, really shaped my life and my writing and, uh, and I think, the, the contents of the, the book. 
So that's a little bit of it, and I'm probably making this all sound much more serious and profound. I think if you look at the cover, you'll see it's very playful intentionally, and I think that that playfulness is uh, reflective of what's inside. I was that your experience as well, Charlotte? Absolutely. No, I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think it was too heavy because as you read these pages, it really you really give us a look inside your mind and heart, and I think that's invaluable to any writer you really want to welcome people into your mind otherwise you would keep all your best stuff in a closet you know right right that's scary as a writer and again anyone listening who does any writing or just and we all take emotional risks you can identify that that was <laughs> that was hard at times absolutely i mean i have a lot of writing i won't let anybody read simply because i needed to purge similar experiences that you had um, but it, it doesn't mean I needed an audience for it. Some of it's published. I have some stuff that people have up on their walls around the country and several other countries, and that's okay. But, mm-hmm. no, I, I, it's beautiful, and it, it gives them a sense of where you're coming from, so that's great. Right, right. And I heard somebody say once that when, you know, when something uh, bad happens to us to uh, keep, keep the lesson but throw away the experience. And sometimes Absolutely. that's what we're called to do, or at least set it aside. And so most of the book focuses on the lessons learned. There, there are some stories told, some funny, some more poignant and reflective. But um, sure. overall, yeah, o- overall I wanted it to be the kind of book that someone could pick up in the bathroom or read on an airplane and just, you know, mm-hmm. a little quick refresher. It's, this is not a chapter book. It's... it's um, uh, kind of a list book with some very nice variety to it, and so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, yeah. I wanted to create a great, good experience for the reader, and I and I venture to say we've done that. Yes, and at 150 pages, it doesn't take long to get through, but it's something you're going to want to refer to over and over. You know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be read front to back, which I love. Uh, I mean, you know, you can just dip in. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not something like a like a fictional story that you need to keep track of and back up. And you just can just flip to any part of it that you want. You can use it as one of those reference book, like books, like what do I need to hear today, and just flip it open and see what you get. And that's right, good and at too. the same time, right, and but yet to reward and console the the people who do want to read it front to you know front to back. I was very intentional in uh, you know, for example, if I'm talking about the friend from Alabama or something, in one part I'm making sure that that there's logic and order to it so that if someone is reading it front to back, it won't be, you know, they won't be having to jump all around. Right. That makes you're sense. Referring so, to, you're referring to Steve? Yeah, Steve Dumas, yeah. That was sweet. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was very thrilled uh, to, to be mentioned in the book. This is somebody I literally have not seen since the Nixon era. Uh, and my mother found him on social media, and so he's kind of come back into our lives, and I tell about that experience. And the, the kind of the lesson there is when the spirit moves you, reach out to a long-lost friend because it uh, really can result in just a, a very sweet uh, connection. It doesn't have to be anything heavy, but it can just kind of warm your heart and, and uh, be well, a good that reminder. Happens. That happened to me because when it came to social media, I reconnected um, with the young girl who was my best friend in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Hmm. She had moved away. Isn't that fun? Of course, I had her address, but how how many teenagers regularly write letters? And sure. then now now we're like, you know, freaking frack again. I'm on the phone with her every week. Uh, but I think what what is underneath what you're saying and what I'm saying is people from that long ago, are the ones who know you the best. Well, right, because they know you kind of at a heart level, at a gut level. Right. And so, all, you know, again, all, all of you listening, um, you know, again, just if the spirit moves you, uh, you know, you don't need to be uh, random about it, but if there's somebody that's on your heart that just kind of hasn't left your heart, mm, you know, maybe maybe there is a way to reach out. Yes. Absolutely. Well, yeah. let's, let's get to the... The, the kind of the heart of the the one, uh, the first category, you know, setting boundaries for yourself. And okay. your entry, number 333, yes. said set boundaries for yourself, not other people. Talk on that about the importance of, 
governing a, a boundary for yourself instead of trying to mold, shape, or change the way other people behave. Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, nugget number th- 333, set boundaries for yourself, not other people. And I tell the story about how when my nephew, who's now in his 20s, is kind of a, um, it's like the closest thing our family has to a minister, but when he was five, he uh, he was with his older siblings, and they were playing night games with the neighborhood kids. And uh, Dylan is a sweet young man. He's also a gifted athlete. And so when he got picked last for night games, he stormed off the field and said, I don't have to take this stuff, except he didn't say stuff. And everyone mm-hmm. was shocked because this sweet little boy said this. But uh, but that's <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting anyone do that. But it's a humorous way to illustrate that, um, we can't control other people's behavior. It would be nice if we could. If anyone out there knows the secret, uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear it. But we can't control other people's behavior, and that's probably a good thing. But what we can do is put limits on what we ourselves will put up with. So let's say somebody's being verbally abusive because mm-hmm. this happens, or somebody's inebriated. We can set a boundary for ourselves that... We will only talk to this person when they're being reasonable and civil and sober. Mm-hmm. Do you see the difference there? We can't say stop drinking. We can't say stop being verbally abusive. But I will not stay in this conversation unless you calm down and speak to me in a civil tone. That, that's mm-hmm. an example, one example of many, of how we can set boundaries for ourselves uh, and then, and then we're not dependent on what the other person does because we have uh, set the limit on what we ourselves will will tolerate. And I think that's an important distinction. And I think boundaries are uh, an absolute necessity for life. Uh, Absolutely. And but yeah. you give you give five really great examples. Some types of behavior. Can I read those? Please, please do. Okay. Here are uh, some of the examples. Number one, the friend who is in constant crisis mode and for whom no amount of your help will ever be enough. Number two, the coworker who has 45 minutes to drop by to tell you how busy he is. <laughs> we all know that guy. Number yes, three, the, the, client, the client who misses deadlines and expects you to pick up the slack. Number right. four, the talented but hot-headed employee who wreaks havoc on office morale. That's the guy in the other cubicle. Right. And finally, number five, anyone who repeatedly breaks commitments to you, even minor ones. You go on to say, you cannot control these folks, but you can decide what you will and won't put up with. That, in a nutshell, is what it means to set a boundary. Right. And we've all met that person who drops by for 45 minutes, and, and you know, we've all, we've all worked with that person. It's funny how he gets around. Yes. Um, but we have to decide in advance, okay, I mean, there's a definite, you know, live and let live uh, ethic that deserves to be lived up to, but we don't have to let that person, we don't have to reward that behavior. Exactly. So, you know, when Camping Carl stops by, we don't have to reason with him, we don't have to use a lot of words, but we can simply stand up and say, you know, well, I've got to get back to work, or or simply walk out to the coffee machine, or do whatever you have to do to, to kind of break that cycle and uh, again yes. if you do it non-verbally and politely all the better um, because there is still yeah. do unto others which I know is a large part of our belief and we both grew yes. up Catholic and, and we took that seriously do unto others and the Ten Commandments but yes I you have to break that chain with which people like that hold us hostage and maybe listen to the way other people say it Maybe, you know, kind of write it down and, and sculpt the words in a way that is most harmonious and say, well, I'm, I'd, I'd love to hear your story, but I'm really focused right now. Perhaps this is something we could talk about at 5 o'clock. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, when you don't reward the behavior, uh, it tend, they tend, a person like that tends to take it somewhere else, so to speak. Yeah. They do. Um, yes, but there's exactly, and I think boundaries sometimes get a bad rap and assertiveness gets a bad rap, but assertiveness isn't aggression and boundaries aren't barriers. They're not, it's not a gavel coming down. It's, you know, everyone listening can relate to this. We all have needs. We all have preferences and we all have limitations. And I think for any relationship to be healthy and life-giving, both parties need to be able to voice those needs 
respectfully, without walking on eggshells. And sometimes it's easier said than done. Uh, but mm-hmm. if there's not room for us in a relationship, uh, gosh, what what are we doing? Well, what good is that to to really either party? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I'll tell you what. Let's take a short break. Okay. And when we come back, I want to discuss distinguishing between a boundary and a barrier because oh, I yeah. know in my experience, I might have fumbled with that at an early age because, admittedly, I did not have the type of uh, upbringing that taught you how to behave in a restaurant, in the workplace, in a friendship, that kind of thing. So it took me a while to smooth that edge out and to a healthy level, okay? Yes, that sounds great. Looking forward. Okay. All right, we'll be right back uh, right after these messages. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me. Or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better. And kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me in United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. Today, my new dad threw a barbecue. Today, my new son and I threw a barbecue. There were burgers and chicken. I burnt everything. The burgers, the chicken, the salad. Ah, They were delicious. They were awful. And then then we had watermelon. (laughs) I'm allergic to watermelon. And then we played catch. I broke Mr. Lewis's window, Mrs. Wakeham's window, Mrs. Wakeham's windshield, and then somehow my hand. My hand! (laughs) And then my dad even let me drive his car. The hospital's on the right! It was a rough day. It was a great day. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. And we're back, everybody, and we're here with Gina DeLapa, author of Stuff You Already Know and Everybody Should. We're talking about setting ourselves up for personal and professional success by way of setting healthy boundaries. And so what we're going to discuss now, what is the difference, Gina, between a boundary and a barrier because I was in this thesaurus today. Yes. And I just, I like to explore, and I found these uh, other words that also reminded me of different situations, and they were um, like a limitation, a wall, edge, outside edge, sideline, fringe. Um, Boundary seems to me to be the healthier term because we don't want to keep people at arm's length, but draw a simple line that is visible accepted by the other person and also respected by the other person so that it's not a struggle or a tug of war. It's really here's where the boundary is and, and you want to set that healthy platform for that relationship no matter which, which arena, whether personal, professional, or romantic. Tell us, in your words, what you feel the difference between a boundary and a barrier is. Sure, okay. First of all, I think, I love that the word boundary, I mean, listen to it, boundary, it's got kind of a nice bounce to it. You know? It does have boundary. It's, so it's You're not right. a, a rigid word, and I don't think we should think of it as such. Uh, to me, a, a boundary is simply a non-threatening, non-accusing clarification of our own needs and limitations. So, for example, you might say to your kids, when I come home from work, I need 15 minutes of transition time. That's just a a boundary, and it's one that everyone can live with. Here's the other big distinction between a barrier, a boundary rather, and a barrier. A boundary ultimately serves the relationship. A barrier 
tears down the relationship or does erect that that wall. I mean, we do have certain obligations to to our loved ones, especially the people we live with. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're without limitations. And and so a boundary honors the relationship and still allows us to get our our needs met. Does that mm. help? That's perfect. Yeah, and um, uh, what was the other point I was going to say about about that? Um, just that, you know, oh, you, you mentioned how a boundary needs to be visible and respected and so forth, and I, I think to that I would just remind all of us that, a, the, you know, there's a saying in sales that the first sale is to yourself. If you own your boundaries and own your legitimate needs and, and expectations, then you can stay your boundary calmly and it will have a greater likelihood of being received calmly. But I want to assure anyone listening that boundaries aren't always received calmly and that's okay. We can allow other people to have their reactions I mean, let's face it, very few people say, wow, I'm really glad you you clarified that and, and thank you. No, sometimes people feel rebuffed or they'll say hurtful things like, when did you become so selfish or, you know, the list goes on and on. Don't let that deter you. Just lovingly hold your ground, let them have their reaction, but don't backtrack and don't second-guess yourself. Let the boundary stand. And over time, uh, the other person will come around to it and the relationship will kind of, you know, find its own level again. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize up front that just because a barrier isn't well received, or I'm sorry, a boundary rather, <laughs> just because it isn't well received uh, really doesn't, it, it may, may indicate progress. It's just that sometimes things have to get a little harder before they get easier. So, uh, hang in there, stay the course, and, again, lovingly hold your ground. Charlotte, what else would you like to know about about boundaries or what else might be helpful for our listeners? Well, you had basically covered it, um, accepting them as necessary, stating them calmly, allow other people their reactions, and that's where I was going. Don't take responsibility if you hit some hidden button in someone else's experience and they have a reaction you don't want to take responsibility for that but this is a way of building the relationship and in a lot of cases forgiveness may be necessary on both sides you may need to forgive someone for their reaction for you simply stating your truth but you also may have to forgive yourself on one level or another and that takes me to number 11 in your entries and which states let all your relationships find their own level Tell us what you mean by that. Okay. Um, well, and this kind of uh, this is a nice segue from the from talking about boundaries because here's here's what someone told me long ago, and anyone listening, you might want to write this down. As you grow and change, some relationships are going to grow deeper, some are going to fall by the wayside, and new relationships will be based on the new level you're now at and operating from. I think that's a really a key insight. And as we grow and change, some people grow along with us, or, but some don't, and that's okay. But uh, in any relationship, I think we have to let it find its own level without uh, oversteering the ship, if you will. Uh, you know, I mean, if we do too much in a relationship, we're going to get burned out and frustrated because the other person can't keep up and might not want to keep up or be able to. Uh, you know, and I think that's a, a, a challenge that a lot of us have, especially, you know, women typically are the nurturers and caregivers and we want everything to go well. And so we we dote and we fuss sometimes and, and mm-hmm. certainly men can do that as well. Um that's no good. And if we sit back and expect the other person to, to do all the work, that, that obviously uh, isn't sustainable either. So it's finding the level where both parties are are comfort and kind of where that overlaps. And I think when we do that, uh, what emerges is really something better than we could have imagined because it's, it's now, it's easy, it's gracious, it's free-flowing and... Uh, you know, everybody's at ease in the relationship. And, and isn't that 
you know, isn't that the point? <laughs> that is the point. And yeah. relationships do grow and, and, and we all stretch, we all grow, we all right. uh, progress. But that takes me to number 24, which states, don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. We're called to forgive. We're not always called to restore the relationship. Sometimes we need to let the relationship go so we can forgive. That's an important yes. statement. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it is. And, and if I can just add one more point about um, about letting relationships find their own level, I have found, and I think, again, you, you'll identify, anyone listening can identify, we have friends in our lives that we have very little in common with. What makes the relationship sing is that we both place the same value on the friendship. I think that determines uh, the quality and kind of extent of a friendship as much as common background. Uh, But Mm -hmm. to the point about forgiveness versus reconciliation, boy, we make our lives so much easier when we let go of expectations that certain people will be different or better. Uh, I mean, as I talk about this in the book, Sometimes we have to do what's known as bless and release. And what that means mm-hmm. is we just lovingly let somebody go uh, because maybe we can no longer trust them or they've done something where we just, gosh, I, I can't respect this other person and myself at the same time. But I still w- wish good things for them or, I, you know, I, I just can't uh, be at the same level that I was at previously. Previously, I heard Charlotte. I heard somebody put it this way once, and I thought this was just a beautiful sentiment. Uh, a man and his business partner had kind of fallen, had a falling out, and there was forgiveness on both sides. Um, one in particular had done something uh, egregious, and uh, so the the other partner forgave. But when an opportunity came up for the two of them to work together, he thought about it in his heart of hearts, and here's what he said. I will forgive, but I will not rehire. That was really profound. I mean, it's not, you know, you hear people say, oh, I can forgive, but I won't forget. And what that really often says to me is we're still holding on. We're still holding on to the pride around that grudge. And and I'm as guilty of it uh, as as anyone. But we have to catch ourselves and say, it's time to let that go. It's time to release that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, release, just send them, just... uh, you know, and trust them to God and trust God to take care of them. Uh, but, yes, yeah, sometimes in the, the only way we're going to forgive is if we let them go. Um, sometimes reconciliation is not possible. Sometimes it's just not even advisable. Somebody, if somebody has hurt you, uh, you should not about. let them back into your heart. Don't you dare. I mean, your heart is sacred, and uh, I, I think there's... Uh, something in the Old Testament, it's probably part of every uh, major faith tradition. It certainly rings true when you hear it, and that's simply the warning, guard your heart. Yes. And that's just what we all have to do. Yes, and and the whole time you're saying that, I'm thinking of the times where I did, here's here's the thing, maybe I did forgive, maybe I didn't, but what I did do was forget. And after the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, it happened. Mm Mm-hmm. That's when I started to beat myself up. Like, you knew they were a snake when you picked them up. Why are you crying or being bitten? And that's where I had to sever it, move on, and then forgive myself. Not because I was stupid or over-loving or or gullible. We're none of those things. Sometimes we just love to a level that can't be appreciated by the other side. And then you've got to pull that back and apply that love to yourself on this level for practical reasons, to not get hurt, to protect your heart. That That is a great point. And sometimes, as you said, sometimes the person we have to forgive is ourselves because um, we act in good faith, but uh, things don't always work out as we had planned. And, and when that happens, we shouldn't beat ourselves up or say, oh, I'll never trust again. Hey, that's that's part of life. What did I learn from this? What, what good can be gleaned from this and how can I move on as quickly as possible because what I have found is that uh, when rejection comes or betrayal or all the human emotions that we've all experienced, the the, uh, less than enjoyable ones, we absolutely just need to take that and yes, we need to process it, learn from it, grieve it, um, 
and yes, let it go. But here's the other piece: turn turn it into rocket fuel. Turn it into rocket fuel for your next um, for your for your next phase of your life, your next relationship, your next mission. What you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. um, turn rejection into rocket fuel. And I I watched my parents do that. My father in particular. Um, you know, this was a guy who couldn't hold a job but you know what he was meant to create jobs and Mm. uh, when he finally learned that lesson and followed his dream uh, he was able to create miracle of miracle hundreds of jobs in a small town that needed them and you can bet one of them was mine (laughs) we all were taught to work very hard from an early age but that's absolutely what every one of us has to do bad things happen we all run into walls setbacks that's not the point the point is what are we going to do with it that's what makes all the difference in the world yes and without like i said earlier belaboring the point or spending a whole lot of time on that and taking it too deep you touch on it lightly in different specific statements such as number 39 take notes on your life and then you go on to tell a nice little story but yeah if you if we take notes on our lives and kind of get into perspective what did you learn what do you need to experience a few more times until you really understand it these are the types of advice you give Uh, number 68 remind yourself each morning my goal today is to feel great but Uh, what i love is what you put under it it'll inspire you to put up with less hassle uh, not more that's beautiful well and it's so true and and i've been having major internet issues and anyone who's ever been down that road and had uh you know, had internet connectivity issues can relate. You, you absolutely have to just hold on to your good mood as best you can and say, I, I just simply can't tolerate this. And I went through that just this morning. I went through it over Easter weekend. I had to make any kind of a quick emergency stop at Staples and get a certain cable and kind of do a workaround. And, uh, yeah, and it, it can easily get the better of you. Uh, and and again, it, it got the better of me this morning. But I got back on top of it and reminded myself, look, I'm, it's a great day. Uh, I've got a a lot of good things scheduled. And what would I need to do to make this have a good outcome? And it was very clear. I needed to cancel the service appointment, scale back my service, and uh, just go to Plan B and and say right. my. Good spirits are more important than being right or than, you know, dogging this situation to death. And by doing that, I got four hours of my life back because now I'm not waiting around for the cable guy to come tomorrow between one and five. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's never a good day those days. But I, what we teach on this show, uh, Gina, is that every mood we experience, although it comes up unexpectedly at times, it truly is a choice if you choose to stay in it. So... You know, you can you can turn that yeah. around and say, whatever, if you're with me learning about A Course of Miracles, I could see peace instead of this. If you're, maybe you're an atheist, you can say, I'm not going to let this emotion control me. I am going to get a hold of it and move beyond it and have whatever steps you take. But you have so many nuggets in here for self-development and the workplace. There's grief you know, question the world around you. But you know what? There's something I want to touch on. I cannot stress this enough to people. And as a counselor and as a psychic with clients who come to me with relationship um, situations, there's one thing that really, really bothers me, and it's the issue of communicating via text or email when you're in a romantic relationship. (laughs) Yes. And I can't seem to convince anybody that this is one of the most artificial means of communication that I have ever witnessed because I myself will not do it. And the only times I would have found it useful, I have it blocked from my phone entirely. I only found it useful once when I needed to tell somebody who was in a crowd of 5,000 people that I had arrived and was waiting for them by the front desk. Or if you're in a safe place and your feet are on the ground and your backside is not in the seat of a car – I'm on my way. Do we need milk or, or what's for dinner? You know, whatever, simple oh, yeah. things like that. Yes. But to use this as a tool to deepen a relationship, just give me your thoughts on this because I know what mine are. 
Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody listening can identify with having sent or received a message that they shouldn't have. I've done it. I've been on both ends of it, and and I'm sure everyone listening uh, can say the same thing. Here's... Here's, I think, the distinction. The higher the emotional stakes, so if you're talking to somebody about the relationship or you're breaking up or you're having a conflict, oh, gosh, gosh, I've seen all sorts of interesting things come across by text or email or voicemail or whatnot. But here's, again, the distinction. The higher the emotional stakes the warmer the form of communication should be. So for really big things, go face-to-face. If face-to-face just isn't feasible, then at least pick up the phone. And I've done this, say, in a business sense when somebody sends an email that's, you know, what we call a nasty gram. Uh, I'll just pick up the phone. I, I won't kind of respond via email. I won't sort of meet them on that level because it's just going to make things worse. And this happened once with a coworker. She sent something uh, that was just a little bit officious and a little bit, uh, you know, hey, hey, hey. And um, so we, we kind of did a back and forth. We had a pretty good relationship, so it, it, there was enough equity in the emotional bank account to withstand some of this silliness. But at one okay. point I just picked up the phone and said, you know, let's just get past this. And we just both ended up laughing, and, and it was no big deal. But somehow you don't laugh in an email. When it, things in an email or text are never interpreted for the better. So, uh, again, if you're listening, I would just say uh, pick up the phone or go walk down to the person's office and talk to them or if it's somebody in your family. I mean, you don't have to overplay it either, but texting – does have a place for sending a quick picture. Yes, do we need anything at the store? You know, little simple benign messages. Thinking but of you, the, whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I did a lot of that yesterday on Easter. People I know who maybe were missing somebody at the table this year because a loved one had passed. And so, gotcha. you know, you, you can reach out. But um, not for the big things. You, you don't... Um, you don't fire somebody via fax. You don't. You don't break up with them by text. I, mean, I hope not. Anyway, um, you know. Again, take here's, the high road. Here's what I see in my mind when I hear about people doing that. Look at the amount of time it takes for that person to recoil from the message that was either alarming, disarming, whatever. Right. Look at the amount of time you're going to sit and think about how you're going to respond and sculpt that. Well, it's just not necessary. I mean, you do have to think about it. Yes, it's more convenient for for the sender, perhaps, but how is that going to be received and how is that story going to be shared? You know what I'm saying? Sure. uh, You're creating an experience in somebody's mind, and even if you are breaking up with them, there's still a a flesh-and-blood human being with a heart and feelings and dignity, and uh, I think we have to uphold that. And I took a note as you were explaining, and I wrote, protect your reputation, which I think is very important. Maintain your integrity and your authenticity. Um, yes. Much like the two points you make, don't make fun of somebody's name and don't make fun of their hometown. Don't criticize. These are no, I, things. But so is your yeah. reputation for the kind of person you are. Well, right. I mean, you have to. There's character, of course, and reputation, and we've all kind of heard that distinction. Character is who we are. Reputation is who others say we are. Perhaps character is what I is the more appropriate word for what I'm trying to say. Sure, but yeah, yeah, and I I understood um, what you were getting across. But yeah, I mean, we do have to maintain our own integrity uh, and our own. Yeah, we live with what we put out there in the world and. Right. Uh, and yeah, you know, and none of this that we're talking about, Charlotte. And I think this is an important point to make for anyone listening. You know, I don't think I, either one of us is saying you have to be perfect. You're human, and I, I remember just being so touched once when a, a dear friend of mine uh, had called, and for whatever reason, I was not in a good place, and I was a little short with him on the phone, and. And so I sent him a quick email, and it was kind of close of business. And, and again, shouldn't have covered it by email, but I took a chance and just said, I'm really sorry for how I responded. I did not mean to take that out on you. You know, I care about our friendship, et cetera. It was very brief. 
And you know how he responded? He said, he wrote back and he said, congratulations, you're human. (gasps) And I was so touched by that. Very gracious. Very gracious. And at a time when he could have rightly hit me when I was down because I had done a bad thing, um, he took the high road with me and, and I just was so moved by that. So what I'm saying is we don't have to be perfect people, but we have to be mindful people and we have to especially be mindful of how we treat other people. Yes. Yeah. And Absolutely. So, yeah. But but I thought that was a, just such a, a great example of, um, yeah, kind of grace in action. Absolutely. But you know what I, I also love about the book? I know we're talking about some subjects that are, you know, a tad heavy, but they're, they're, I think they're in our faces most of the time. But the humor that you share, the testimonial you have is from Bernie Siegel, Siegel? MD. Yes, uh, author of A Book of Miracles and 365 Prescriptions for the Soul. He calls it clever, witty, and thoughtful. And I agree, because the one that made me laugh the loudest, because I kind of had experience with it, is where you say, don't cook bacon in the nude. <laughs> <laughs> Love you know, it's it. Funny. I had known that in my early 20s. Well, it's funny. Can I tell a quick story about that? Sure. Okay, I was meeting with a man I'll call Father Tony, my spiritual director, and I told this story on my blog with his permission, but the blog post was, As God is my witness, I have never cooked bacon in the nude. And it's a story about how he'd been hearing about my book for months, and when it finally came out, I proudly gave him a copy, and he was very pleased to receive it. And Father Tony's kind of what Woody Allen would have called an older version of a man you'd like piloting your plane. Just a very good guy, pleasant as they come. So he received the book, and he started flipping through it, and he snickered a little bit. And then he opened it again, and he just started laughing, and his laughter just blew the roof off. And I felt very self-conscious. I said, what? I need to know what you're reacting to. And uh, anyway, the the first thing that he flipped to was, uh, kick yourself harder in the rear than anyone else. And I didn't use the word rear. I used the A word. And so he, that was the first thing he read. Second thing was never cook bacon in the nude. And he said, I think I'll just save this for later. And he laughed again. And um, But life is silly and funny and practical and all of those things woven in. And so there is a little bit of playful irreverence in the book because that's how life is. And uh, so I, I had actually learned the never cook bacon in the nude lesson from somebody I was at a seminar with. He just said it so wryly. I thought, oh, i got to write that down. And lo and behold, it made it into the book. So, yeah, that, that is one that gets a lot, of, uh, a lot of snickers. Okay. But I wanted to get to our final thought that I found very profound for the listeners, and then I want to tell them again how to re- interact with you and, and really benefit from all the hard work you've put into this, okay? Thank you, yes. Well, my my thing is, and with a lot of people I interact with, some people struggle with staying mentally and spiritually on track and moving forward. In your words, what do you feel is key in successfully maintaining that focus? What would you say? I would say two things, both of which are in the book. Number one, preserve your mental health at all costs. And when you make a decision to live that way, other decisions uh, become easier to make and easier to live with. The second thing, and this is key, and anyone can do this at any time, and that's simply this. It's number nugget number 99. Count your blessings because the more you count, the more you will find. And yet so often we do the opposite. We count our dramas, we recount them, we take them on tour to anybody who will listen, and no wonder we we go through life tense and and frustrated. Look at all the good things. The the sun is out. Hey, you know what? We woke up this morning. Not everyone did. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to be so blunt, but um, uh, every day above ground is a good one. Can you walk? Wow. Uh, What a blessing that is. Can you take care of yourself? Do you have something to give to other people? Of course you do. Everybody has something to give. The more blessings you count, I mean, you, we literally cannot count them all. And when we do that, we do say, stay spiritually on track and we do move forward. Um, and, and I think we, we enjoy the ride and make it fun for others. Mm, amen to that. Yeah. Very important. You know, it's not, you know, not just about Thanksgiving. Try to start your day. Try to end your day that way, I think. It would keep you elevated, don't you? Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. And it's this is not Pollyanna-ish. This is not pouring pink paint on things that need to be dealt with. Um, it's simply 
saying, where do we go from here, and acknowledging mm. the good and building on that. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I can tell you I am anxiously awaiting, will you let us know when the next installment Thank you. In the series comes out? We'll talk about it. I can't wait for that to happen. Yes, you can count on me uh, coming back and, and talking further. Uh, for now, yes, I invite people to go to uh, stuffyoualreadyknow.com. You can sign up for uh, my Monday morning pep talk or, if you prefer, all blog posts. Uh, Charlotte, I want to add real quick, I have an ebook coming out called Conversations That Count, 55 Fun Questions for Friends, Family, and Coworkers. Uh, anyone listening, if you sign up today, I will make sure when that comes out in the next uh, one to two weeks, I will make sure you receive a, uh, a free download of that uh, ebook, uh, yours to keep and share, and uh, you're under no obligation to stay on the list. But do visit StuffYouAlreadyKnow.com. You can read an excerpt to the book. You can uh, link to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Be delighted if you picked up a copy for yourself. A loved one makes a wonderful graduation gift. That's terrific, and you are so concise. And, yes, you can read an excerpt at the website, and I can't encourage you enough. Get your inspiration on today at StuffYouAlreadyKnow.com. Gina created this book series and the website to inspire you, and not just by what you read, but, again, by what you have to share. Has life taught you a little something? Share your stuff with Gina. We all have at least one valuable life lesson worth sharing. So let her know what yours is. She'd love to hear from you and have you contribute to the Stuff You Already Know mission, as I call it, today. Um, actually, Gina, I have uh, quite a few hard-earned nuggets to share of my own. Do you, you mind if I send them your way? I would be delighted, and I hope, uh, I hope you do, and, and I hope others do as well. I will, because I think that, you know, I, you just know when – we all have a different journey, but there are similarities, and when you rise above something, I think it's worth sharing what you learned. And yes. all of these stories in the book are heartwarming. It's quick. It's fun. It's inspiring. It's the perfect gift to yourself or someone you love. So, again, Gina Galapa, StuffYouAlreadyKnow.com. And if you're on Facebook, go to StuffYouAlreadyKnow, and you can interact with her there, too. My, my page is Spiritual Insights. Let us know what you thought of the conversation. Send us some feedback. Send us some nuggets, nuggets of wisdom. I know I could use some inspiration this week, especially with computer problems and eclipses and all the good stuff that we're riding the wave with, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and your, your love and, and your expertise, Gina, and for all that you're doing to help others. I think you will make your mark on this world. Thank you so much. I was delighted to be on your show. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that's our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. So long for now. <laughs>